0: Good morning. Welcome to Keystone. I am so excited to be here this morning. My name is Ryan King. Usually there's a man six foot taller than me and way more attractive on the stage, but today's your lucky day. You get me, and I'm really excited about what we got going on. Um, this is my first time on the big stage, which is super exciting. What? Well, don't clap. Don't clap yet. Don't clap yet. You don't know what's going to happen. So, like, literally, I was so excited. Last night, I was like, do you remember when you are in elementary school and you, like, laid out the clothes before the first day of school? That was me. Like, it was, like, nine, ten at night, and I was, like, ironing my pants. Like, And I've never ironed anything in my life before. And, like, I heard that the stage adds five pounds, so I found the tightest pants possible. So, <laughs> So excited to be here. And if you're curious, like, I did a talent show in middle school. I tried out, and they're they're like, "You have no talents, but you're good at talking." So I did the MC for it. I only forgot my lines a couple times. So we'll see how we do today. So it'll be great. Um, so when I had the opportunity to do this, I was up in Brady's office. He's talking to me about it. My first reaction, honestly, was like, "Heck yes! Like this is going to be so fun!" And then the reality of what it was like hit me like a Taco Bell breakfast an hour later, you know, <laughs> and. And I was like, I was kind of like, not in a good space. But then he asked me a really compelling, really compelling question that grounded me a lot. And it was, what if all the needs in the world could be met by the potential that's already theirs? And another way, um, we could put it this way, which is, oh, one more. Sorry, you need to go one more over. I messed it up for you. What if we have buried potential that could change the world around us? What if we have buried potential that could change the world around us? See, we're in this series called Find and Follow, which is kind of the heartbeat of what Keystone is. And I think Christians, us here at Keystone, and on a greater scale, can make finding and following Jesus really, really complicated when it was actually kind of easy, when Jesus wanted it to just be simple. And I think in this series, we're just kind of delving into the Bible, what Jesus said, the wisdom there, and then we're going to, to just move forward with that and put it into our lives and put it into action. So that's where we're going today. And today we're talking about what if we unveiled the potential we have and then acted on it and met the needs that are already in the world. So let's jump right in. So Jesus, one day, is on this mountain. And you know if Jesus is on a mountain, he's going to be spitting some mad truth, right? Mountain Jesus is one of my favorite Jesuses. And he's hanging out with his 12 disciples, which are his 12 closest friends. And and he's telling parables. And if you're not familiar with church, parables are just stories that have another point to them. And he's telling this parable to them, and it's recorded by a guy named Matthew, who is one of those 12 disciples. So we get a pretty accurate depiction of what this story is. And in this moment, on this mountain, he's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about what it would be like to bring heaven on earth. So we're going to jump right in. If you have a Bible, it's Matthew 25, and we're going to start in verse 14. So it says this, It, the kingdom... Will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So a lot of the time, Jesus told these stories in extremes. So the wealth that this guy like, gives to his servants is all that he has, and it's a lot of money. But again, he gives all this, and Jesus gives this story to make a bigger point. It continues on to say this. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two, and another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So when we're talking about bags here, you might have heard the story as like the the parable of the talents. Uh, They measure like one of these bags of gold to be about 20 years of an average laborer's worth. So like even today, like if we think about 20 years of an average like person's work here, that's a lot of money. So, so Jesus is like, he's going all in. He's throwing out all the money. The Disciples are like, all right, we're in on this. And when I first read this story, I was a little bit confused because my first reaction was like, that is so unfair. Like why does one guy get five bags and one, why does one guy only get one bag? See, if you are a parent or a child, so basically everyone in this building, you know that life isn't fair. Like, that's what parents have been telling kids since kids have been born ever, that life isn't fair. But for some reason, we believe that it should be. So I love pizza. I love pizza a lot. I actually have designed like a matrix to estimate the cost to like goodness value of pizza. If you're passionate about it as well, we can talk later. That's not the point. So... Here's like an elementary math school like problem. So me and seven friends, eight people, order one pizza. And there's eight slices of pizza, which is a bad idea. You never just order one pizza. Like that's just, that's just practical knowledge. And say each one of us get one of these slices. Well, the people that cut like the slices of pizza don't do math or science to do it. They just go for it, you know. So you're going to get one of them. And I imagine if I got the smallest piece of pizza, I would mourn my loss for days. Like that would be spiritually disrupting. But I know if I got the biggest piece of pizza, I would praise the divine favor of the Lord all the day long. And what's interesting is if I get that blessing, if I have the, the, like, the biggest piece of the pie, then I'm not really thinking about what's unfair, And I think that's how it is in life. A lot of the time when things are going good, we don't really think about the unfairness of the world. But a lot of the time we can get stuck in the mentality of that the world is not fair. Why do they have that and I only get this? And I think that mentality can cripple us in our life because we start to think that's not fair, so why should I care? And and I think one of the lines that's so critical in this story um, and is kind of even rude is this one that I've highlighted here, that the master gave each according to his ability. But I think we need to take even a, a bigger step back and recognize that the master just gave. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to give to the servants. And I think that's the same in our life. Like we've been given so much. A lot of the time we're evaluating fairness rather than expressing thankfulness. A lot of the time we're evaluating fairness rather than expressing thankfulness. Because if we took a step back from, I have one bag of gold, I have one slice of pizza, or even in in a bigger life, we just took a moment and recognized what we did have, no matter where we're at, I think that thankfulness could actually change our life. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in this story. So we, we continue on. The, mis- the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. So he invested it, he traded it at the market, he was doing a lot of work with it, and he gained five more bags. So also, the one with two bags, he gained two more. And then the story continues, and we get, we get the other guy, and it says this, but the man who had received one bag, went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid the master's money. And now I think the disciples on the mountain would have let out like an audible groan at this point in the story, because if your investment strategy is ever to bury anything in the ground, you should go to Financial Peace University. Um, It's on Monday nights. But seriously, like I was Googling, like, should I bury my money in the ground? And I was like, why am I doing this? It's no, like, that is not a great strategy and I think what Jesus is doing, he's taking this character, making him a little bit extreme, and he's going to teach us something through that. So let's continue. So the story tells us that after a while, the, uh, the master comes back. After a long time, the master come back, comes back, and he, he settles accounts with these servants. He checks in on them. Um, and this is what happens. So uh, the five-beggar, he comes in, and he says to his master, Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And the master responds with this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Like, I love that response. And it's the same thing. So the two-bagger comes in. He says, I had two bags. I got two bags more. The master's response is exactly the same. And if we take a a step back and we see God in this, like I think in our life, God wants us to share in his happiness and be with him. He really does want a life abundant and the best life for us. But in this story, we have to do something to get there. So, Story continues, and the one beggar, the good old box of rocks buried in the ground, comes into the room, and he says this, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed, and then we'll continue on. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you we see drastically that the perspective that this guy has from the others is very, very different. And, and, and it's almost, if you kind of like t- took it apart and put it back together, it's this right here, this quick saying. So can you throw that up for me? I knew you were a hard man, so I was afraid. His perspective of the master changed his actions and changed what he did. Now, if we take a step back, I think a lot of us, can carry this view about God. I think that a lot of us think that God's, God's a hard God. He's watching your every move. He's waiting for you to slip up. He's, he's measuring everything you're doing. He's wanting you to just be good enough. And I think that's been reinforced by the church and by people. But I don't know if that's what Jesus actually taught. See, if our view of God is, is, is this way, is that he's hard and he's measuring us up, I don't think he, he gives gifts anymore. Instead, he gives traps. It's a trap. Ha ha! I had to fit it in. I had to do the Star Wars reference somewhere. Thank you so much for... So, it's a trap, though. Like, these gifts are no longer gifts. They're, they're, they're traps. He's waiting for us to do something, and if we don't, we fall into the trap, and it's not good. See... When I was, uh, like, 16, I started learning to play the guitar, and I'm still learning today because I'm still not very good, which is why Paul doesn't put me on the stage. Um, And I remember learning and, like, struggling through all the things you do when you first play guitar, like learning scales and all this different stuff. And I remember showing it to my parents, like, coming up to them and being like, hey, here's that Green Day song, because when you first start playing the guitar, you always have to play Green Day. If you didn't, you're learning it wrong. So... I was like, here's this song, like here's, and and I would stumble my way through it. And I just remember the reaction being like, good work, keep going, that's great, even though it was a mess. And I think God is the same way. He's just waiting for us to come to him and be like, here's what I got, and this is what I'm doing. And he's saying, good work, like keep going. He's never saying, dude... I bought you that guitar, I gave you that gift, you didn't measure up, like you need to stop, you suck, you're the worst. Instead, it's always encouragement that I think comes from God. See, if our line of thinking is that God is a hard God and that we will never be enough, we'll never measure up to the gifts he's given us, then then our line of thinking is, what is the point of even trying? We end up burying our potential in the back yard. Because what's the point of trying? And it starts to become this self-fulfilling prophecy. Because if we believe we'll never be enough, if we believe we'll never do enough, then we won't really try. We won't try our hardest. And if we don't try and we don't try our hardest, we'll really never measure up because we did nothing to begin with. And then the cycle continues of life's not fair. and, and, And we just fall into that. I think each one of us can fall into that. So, so let's continue on with our story here. The master's gonna to respond to the one bagger, um, and it like gets like it's like harsh and then gets like harsher all the while. This guy's life, it doesn't look good. So this is what this is what it says here. You wicked and lazy servant. So he's dissing him right now. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not planted seed. Well then. You should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So then when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Like he's like, dude, you could have at least done the bare minimum, but you did nothing. You buried it in the yard. Now my money is just soggy and dirty. Like you could have done a bare minimum. And then it continues on and it gets worse. So the master gets the other servants and he says, so take the bag of gold from them and give it to the one who has 10 bags. And then this can be a little confusing, so we'll take it apart a little bit. For whoever has will be given more. And I think what Jesus is saying here is that more will be given to those who are responsible to what's been given to them. More will be given to those who had trust and who had faith. So it says, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. And then on the flip side, whoever does not have, whoever is not responsible, whoever does not have faith or trust, even what they have will be taken from them. And then it gets even worse. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's like, boom, curtains close. you're tossed out, he had an opportunity, he blew it, he's out of the inner circle, and I think he's in a space that he actually began with. I think that's what's interesting about this ending, because I think a lot of us like, automatically go, oh, he was like thrown in hell, like it's a hell story. But instead, I think it's where he was before, because he gets thrown out into frustration. He gets thrown out and has distance from the master. We're At the beginning of the story, I think he was already there. I think he was already frustrated with the master. I think he already had distance with the master. And I think that's how our story ends. So that's it. Parable closed, curtains down, story ends. Now, I know the tent is super hot and some of you are sleeping right now. So come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. So this is what I call, we call that Keystone a big idea statement. At youth group, I call it the mom or dad van statement. Like if your mom like rolls up and she's like, honey. What'd you learn today? Like, this is the one thing. Like, you just need to know this one thing and tell your parent and then they'll know you learned things. Like, so, like, if you're trying to impress somebody like later tonight, they're like, oh, you're at church, what did you learn? This is the thing. So big idea. And this is like wisdom. This is like real good wisdom. We can't control what we've been given, but we can control what we give. We can't control what we've been given, but we can control what we give. And I think one day, we're going to be accountable not only for what we've been given, but more so what we've given out of that. As my favorite philosopher um, of all time says, Gandalf, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. So you might be in a place right now, like, I know that this story can land in different places, because some people might be like, like, life is hard right now. Finances and money is tight. Time is tight. I'm running kids everywhere. Like, I don't have time, talent, and resources. But I think if we did take a step back, we'd recognize we really do have a lot. See, if I were to ask you, hey, like, which servant in this story are you? I think most of us would say we are the two-bagger who kind of like slides a little bit underneath the story, nothing too crazy happens like with him. We're all the, the two-bagger two when it comes to our time, when it comes to the talents we have, and when it comes to our treasure. Sometimes we feel like we're the one-bagger, which is very fair, but I honestly believe we rarely think we're the five-bagger because this is the five-bagger. The five-bagger is like always ahead of us. They went to a better school, they own a bigger house on a bigger lake. They exist so comfortably in public spaces where like, they don't have social anxiety and sweat like I do. They wear really great pants that actually fit them. And they're always just really beautiful. Like, They always just look so great, and like, you're just like, how? And I think in this American dream, the grass is always greener Kentucky bluegrass on the other side of the fence. But I think what this story is teaching us is to look at our bag. Whether it's one, two, five, twenty-seven, is to look at our bag and look what we have. And instead of evaluate fairness with other people, is express thankfulness for what we just have right now. Because I think if we did take a step back, we'd recognize that we have it pretty good. And for some of you that are in that heart space, maybe that's all the challenge you need today is to be thankful. Because when we're thankful, we're no longer looking inside, but we're looking up. We're looking outwards at the things and the talents and the time that we have and just appreciating it. Now, if, if you're in a space where you can do that, like one of the challenges in the, the little brochure, pamphlet, whatever it is you get handed, is like take some time and like write what you have just down on a piece of paper and just like look at that. Just be thankful for that. And I think the next step, because I always love giving like a challenge, like something to do with what we've been teaching, and it's this. Help one person this week. Help one person in a way that's uncomfortable. Not like uncomfortable in terms of like you made them uncomfortable, but like in a way that's just like for you is uncomfortable, is a little weird, gives you a little bit of anxiety. That's inconvenient. In our busy lives, it's so rare that we're willing to inconvenience ourselves. So here's some things that you could do. You could make a simple phone call to a friend or family member that there's been distance between you. Maybe it's just because of life. Maybe it's because of a fight. Maybe that's just all you have to do is make that one phone call this week. Maybe, and this is like the thing that has been on my mind, maybe it's like bringing cookies to the neighbor that you've never met, but you've lived next to them for like five years. Maybe it's like, because everybody likes cookies. And if they don't, then they're bad neighbors. I don't know. (laughs) And maybe it's volunteering in Keystone Kids, the real MVPs, like once a month. And you might be like... I'm just not a kid person. Well, I don't know if kids really worry all too much about that as long as they can climb on you. Like, that's kids. So maybe those are the steps you can take, and there's other things you can do. But that's a challenge. Do one thing that's inconvenient and uncomfortable for one person this week. See, in our story, the five and the two beggars had to take a risk to gain something. And I think we also need to take a risk to gain something. Because if we're to find and follow Jesus, our lives need to be different. Our lives need to look more like love. In Bob Goff's new book, he, he puts it this way, that, that people that are finding and following Jesus are simply becoming love each day. And I think that's ultimately what we need to do in this series and as a church. So if you guys are willing and able to stand, we'll pray, and then you guys can get out of this heat. Dear Lord, thank you so much for just everything. If we took a step back, we'd recognize that all we have, all that we are, is a gift. God, I'm just so thankful to even just be on the stage and to be talking about your word. And if we dive in and if we read the stories of Jesus, I think we can find and follow you pretty easily. I think that, that you made it simple. And God, I just pray for everyone here that if we, every person that was in this tent right now, inconvenience themselves in one way for one person this week, it'd just be a radical change in their lives and in the lives of other people. God, you are a good, good God, and I'm just so blessed to be here on this beautiful July day. I pray all these things in your name, and everyone said, all right, thank you so much. You guys have a fantastic rest of your day. (laughs)